Hi, I'm Simone W. Johnson-Smith, and welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America. Are you a professional new to the United States and struggling to monetize the expertise you brought across the seas? Are you feeling misunderstood and out of touch because you're struggling to understand the unstated rules of the American culture? Each week, we'll take an in-depth look at the positive contributions immigrants are making to the American culture, marketplace, and life. Our intention is to serve as a bridge from your culture to the American culture, giving you a roadmap of tools and the language to understand the unstated rules of the American culture. Let's get started. Welcome to part two of the previous episode. Is there any particular story you'd like to share over those four years and how you guys got mm-hmm. to the end of the four years and, and how did life develop for, you know, what avenues did the four of you go in? I heard about Microsoft. If you want to share that, it'd be lovely. When we came in the first year, I have to mention also, there's another person, uh, Montrose Myers and his wife, Laverne, she and him. There was one more piece of the puzzle missing, which is we got accepted to Crafton full academic scholarships, right? But we didn't have housing covered. To have housing covered, you have to be in something called an honors college, which is a specific subset of students that have gotten within a certain percentile. And one of the ways it worked, remember about keeping us together, this is some of the wonderful parts of Miss Harris, is there's one student that could have gotten this honors scholarship, right? And they would be given meals, housing on campus, tuition, everything covered, basically a cushy, kind of life. Or they could take that money and split it between the four of us that was accepted with scholarship and subsidize the, uh, the rest of the scholarship. And we all live off campus and find a way to pay the rent. So one going and possibly another are all four going and going in the same place. And so we relied on each other that that was a no brainer, right? If we all can go, we all go. And that's how that went. So we went there and then Montrose Myers and his wife, They pledged to pay for the one year of rent. If we did well academically, they would pay that year, right? So month to month, you just have to do well. And after a year, we would be on our own after that. Because there's also another chance to get into the honors college. If we all did well enough, you have to have a certain GPA after that first year. And then you get considered for the honors college for this full ride and so on. And so we all went to this house near to the school. It was like 15 minutes walk. And we knew we had one year. In the U.S., basically, because we're like, if we screw this up, then we don't have any way to pay for the next year. So we went and we studied. And of course, we're all still here. So eventually we all got scholarships, internships. Every summer we were on somebody else's campus doing research, because while you do these basic science bench research or computer science research internships, many of these programs give you a stipend for that month or two months that you're there. And that two months of stipend, we pull that together and we can buy groceries and so on. So we remember that someone gave us that chance and paid for us. And Miss Harris had this good idea that, well, if we keep more students and make this into an official organization, then we could kind of keep this going. So when new students came the next year, we gave up our room. So instead of each person having their own room, we now shared room, right? And we could take four more students. And so that happened and so on and so forth until by the time we were, the first group was graduating was already 35 students that were coming through Claflin and other HBCUs with this model of helping each other. So we'd get on-campus jobs, we'd do tutoring, we'd get 
summer jobs and we just pool our money or use our money to, to pay for groceries. We all learn how to cook. We look out for each other. If someone doesn't come home, we call. It was this kind of community. And as we get more and more people coming, we have to be honest, right? So more and more people coming, the dynamic is different. As people come through the path that you leave behind, it's trodden. So it should be easier for the people coming behind. So there was already this blueprint of what you need to do if you wanted to go to college and you didn't have financial means. And there was this set of people that would help you. And so that's how it started with Titchfield being the majority of people that came through because it's the beaten path. And so people didn't come with the same story. If you talk to students that are in the fourth or fifth batch, you won't guess this same story because it wasn't this difficult. We have an application process now where you put in an application, students in the background screen you. We look for people that have the aptitude for what they're going to do and have also a financial restraint. That's part of the criteria. And we try to vet them for if they will do well. And, and then we allow them into the program. Then they start applying to universities and they take the standardized exams if they have to. And so it's streamlined. So people come in and they're placed. Most of them, I think, go straight into university now. No one is really living off campus so often unless they choose to. And so as time went by, it became a little bit more dilute. There wasn't that sense of community so much anymore because everyone came. They did their work, of course. But there were some people that came and they had family. So they would come and in the summer, they would go and spend time with family. They didn't have to go and do an internship, right? So everybody's story is a bit different. And by the time we got to the fourth year, we graduated. I went on to graduate school. Roshana went on to pharmacy school. Charlene went on to graduate school. And Orlando got a job at Microsoft because he was working, I think, for Google, if I'm not mistaken, the year before on an internship. And then he worked somewhere in Atlanta for a whole year before that on this kind of internship as well. And so by the time he was done, which is bachelor's, he had already had a job lined up and he's still working with Microsoft to this day. You know, wow. he built the website for Passport to College. Like um, what that's one of the things when he went for his interviews really made him stand out, right? He, he was managing and doing the back end stuff for a full-on website for a nonprofit organization that was built up from the ground by students and Miss Harris and her husband and villagers that we have. This term villagers is for the other people that help that send coats and jackets and send backpacks. Because when we come, we just have what we have in the suitcase, right? So wow. this mostly Jamaican community, people that have come and have retired here are still working. Some American people as well. And some other people, some people hear the story, they're moved and they go and they look at what, for example, their kids may have went through college a long time ago, gone through college, right? And they left maybe a table and some chairs or something. And we needed those for the apartment that we were in, right? So we just get a U-Haul, pick up those stuff. And now we have an apartment that's furnished and we pass these things down to the next set of students that need it. And this is kind of how the model started. It's changed a lot. Quite the model of a support system for international students coming over. I've come across some friends over the years when I was in college and as I've moved through my time here in the United States, it can be quite a struggle when somebody comes alone with no family or friends and then they're trying to figure out their next move and finding funding and things like that. You know, it could be lonely. And so you guys are amazing. And Mrs. Harris for stepping out and trusting you guys and working with you. And now this program now exists to support students coming over. It's amazing to hear. 
Yep. And funding is always a struggle. We're like self-supported. We always need donors and so on. Like right now, students are donating their own money, like students that are here. Some of that same internship money or graduate stipend that they have to help students that need to buy something as simple as the flight here. They're accepted and everything. They have scholarship and all of that to take care of. But, you know, sometimes you can't come up with the cost of the flight. Yeah, these kind of things that it's good to see that people as young as this can band together and help each other. Right. So I'm wondering, I I think I checked the website recently and I don't think it's online as yet. Yeah, they're doing some. Orlando isn't over it anymore. It's, it's um, newer students come in and now they are revamping the website. They're fixing the skin of the website and doing code is something that they have to update all the time or fix or it's iterative right so they keep fixing so right now it's going through a kind of a build maybe for the next week it'll be not at its optimum right 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 okay was there anything culturally different about living and and studying here in the united states versus what you were used to back in jamaica that you thought my goodness this is so different from my life back home and parents expectations you know just differences in culture Okay. Culturally, what was different it might be shocking or just different for me and for us while studying. I think the abundance of opportunity in the academic system here, right? So if you are a permanent resident or citizen, there are an abundance of ways for you to fund your education and so many support services. It really is, I think in Jamaica, we have this thing called No Child Left Behind. It really gives you that sense when you're here. Even if you have some kind of disability, there is some program, some affinity program for you that you don't have to give up on your dreams simply because maybe you have an airing disability or maybe because there is something that gives you a disadvantage or will be seen as a disadvantage. That for me, I think is inspiring and very different because it's a resource-rich environment, right? And so there's this idea of what an American dream might be. And I think that changes for everyone, and there's just a diversity of heterogeneity to this kind of dream. If you're in the education system, you're a student or you want to go back to school or something, it's up to you and possibly your circumstance, but you can do it. And so that gives you this incredible mind, this freedom that you feel you can really do anything you want. You can achieve as much as you try. So have you been able to show up as your true international immigrant self here living and studying in the United States? How have you had to make adjustments in, you know, learning how to adapt and integrate and so forth while being here? I think the first thing we all struggled with was when we used to do an introduction in the first meeting of your peers, right? It's typical. So we learned very quickly that as soon as we spoke, when we first came, right? Like, as soon as we spoke, many people didn't listen to what we were saying. We were speaking English, right? Yes. (laughs) But the accent was so strong and so thick, right? So people would go off. It seemed like you could see their eyes glaze over and they're somewhere on the shores and they're trying to figure (laughs) out which island it is. By the time they catch themselves, you're onto it and they're asking you again, oh, sorry, I'm... To repeat. So, and you would repeat at the same pace because we speak a little bit quicker. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the dialect is a little bit strong. So that was the first challenge. Like every time you speak, remember we're in in an HBC when we first came. So we blend in pretty easily. Um, But then as soon as you speak, you're somehow different. So even though we're in this place that you should feel that you're all one, you're all the same. 
as soon as you speak, you're now different. And then you have a different experience than everyone else. And so because your peers start to see you differently, they see you as not the same. And then how they react to that will depend on how they synthesize you, right? I think that was the first challenge, um, slowing down the pace at which we talk so that people could pay attention and get more of a chance to adjust to our accent. And over time, the accent changes and you kind of get, get used to this rhythm. So that was, uh, I think, the first one of the first challenges. Right, right. So is there anything that you know now that you wish you did at the start of your journey? It could be upon arrival here in the okay. United States or upon embarking, you know, from Titchfield trying to get into a university here. Just anything that comes to mind. I think um, personally, it's probably, it's okay, Kareem. <laughs> it was, yeah. It's going to be okay. But there were more times when I could have relaxed. I could have been a college student more than than a professional type student. You know what I mean? Like there are college experiences like joining a fraternity, staying mm-hmm. up late at night, eating pizza with friends and then goofing off, missing an exam. We just didn't do that. And then the higher you go in terms of like chronologically with your degree, then you realize the degree before you could have taken more time to spend time with friends and family. Because as we're going through this, it's like we're in a time capsule. But then everyone else around is also aging. And so your friends are getting older. Your parents are getting older. Jamaica is moving along. And it's almost like you're unplugged from that. And you're just running 100 meters every day. And when you come up to catch your breath, you realize the signs are a bit older. Everything is creaking. You're missing things apart from, you know, you're deep in your education and everyone is proud. But you're also missing other things. Some friends have married, some friends have kids. So I think, especially going through a PhD, then you realize, hey, you know, I was really studying hard for that biology test in the bachelor's. But really, I would have still passed if I had taken, you know, one afternoon or something like that. Well, I think there was so much resting on our shoulders anyway, and then thinking about the people coming behind us, that we had to really like focus, set a good example, get to feel like you had to be successful uh, in what you set out to be and to do, so that others could feel they could do it too. Right, right, right. No, you were the first four, right? Yeah. It wasn't really yet even a formal program and you had done so much just to get in the door. So you just wanted to make sure that you kept your word and, yeah. you know, um, do your best. So you didn't want to slack off because you didn't even know if you could or not. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At that time, you did, you did the best that you could with the information that you had and the circumstances at the time. So, well, what a journey. I've really enjoyed uh, listening. And and so now what's what's next for you? So you've just uh, graduated from this PhD program. What's your future? You know, what's next for you? So immediate future is I have accepted a position at Genentech in South San Francisco. It's a biotech company. It's uh, the founders of the biotech industry, actually. So it's pretty cool postdoc in industry to have. So I'll go and work in drug discovery oncology. It's a four-year program. So that's my ne- immediate next step. Uh, it will be a totally new experience for me because, of course, I've been academic the whole time. And industry is a bit different. And it's, a, it's like a black box. So I like these kind of challenges when things are about 
to change, they feel the most uncomfortable. And so it's it's just good to keep going in that phase, in that kind of way. So yeah, my next step is become a postdoctoral researcher at Genentech. And for the others, is the gentleman who's at Microsoft, he's probably still there. It yes, sounded he's, like. in Canada, he's in Canada working at a branch in Toronto in uh, Microsoft. Um, Shirlene Brown is at Purdue University. She should be finishing up her PhD pretty soon. And then Roshana Blackwood, she finished pharmacy school last year. She's completing her residency in Cedar sinai in Los Angeles and will be moving to another fellowship program with Kite Pharma Suticals in a partnership with the University of Southern California. Yeah, everyone from that, that's the first four, is still moving forward in their career. Oh, wonderful. You've certainly made us proud. And I'm sure other Jamaicans listening who have the shared experience of going to high school in Jamaica, taking all those tests that are so mind-busting because I did it (laughs) and the pressure and stress that you go through yes we appreciate them today because as you've gone on and competed on you know I I feel like within the United States it is a global academic field when you go out to study you know it might be one country but there's so many other countries who are here and you feel like you can actually compete yeah. You know, after being able to be among other people. So we, you make us proud and we're so proud of all four of you. And thank you for representing us well. And we wish you the very best. And I will be talking to Ms. Harris more about how we might be able to support the program, get involved. And it's just an amazing, amazing thing that she started and so well needed for, you know, students with the aptitude and abilities, but might not have that financial resource to take them to that next level. You know, she's to be rewarded for that, you know? She's really a beacon. Uh, She doesn't like too much of the attention, right? So it's all about the students. She's maintained that the whole time. I wouldn't be where I am at the moment without her and her husband and all the people that came on board after I think for all four of us, we all feel the same way. Like we're happy and just really grateful for what Miss Harris has done and her husband, but also for the support from people that still I haven't met some of the people today that help us. And the Jamaican support, the rigor that we went through in primary and high school, of course, is very good. Um, it helped to set our minds. Yeah, we have many teachers along the way, many people. Thank you for providing this platform. I think it's important the immigrant experience. I wish I came across this sooner so I could hear some of the stories. I was listening to some, it's really cool. A huge thank you to everyone. Yeah, it's amazing. And and we wish the very best of success to the program and, and sending out a call of action for people who are out there and who might listen to this episode. And if you are interested in wanting to support the program and other students, Uh, to find opportunities here. Certainly the rigor is there and the industriousness to work hard and apply themselves. And and for sure, this program shows that they're able to select the students who will be able to do that. We welcome you to contact us, this host. We can put you in touch with Ms. Harris. She does not like too much of a uh, publicity. So we'll find a way to put you in touch with Kareem and others in the program if you are interested in supporting. So we a call to action for anybody out there who'd like to support financially or know of some other scholarship opportunities that might be beneficial to these set of students. We welcome you to reach out to us. So each one teach one. And so this episode is very 
reflective of that. The information shared here hopefully will reach the right ear and for others who are looking for other opportunities. So thank you so much, Dr. Heschloff, for coming on and walking us through your story with the Passport to College program. Thank you, Simone. Thanks for having us. Thanks for making us proud and we wish you the very best. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Tune in next week for another episode of The Immigrant Experience in America. As this is a new podcast, we welcome any and all support. If you have not done so already, subscribe on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You can also support us by completing a five-star rating and review and sharing our podcast with your friends, family, and circle of influence. <music>